RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all, ever. Okay, start the thing. Everybody and welcome to another episode of RNMD. I'm your nurse host, Abby, and today I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Jim Fulmer. You probably know Dr. Jim Fulmer from his IG handle, Dr. Wars Game. He makes all those funny cartoons that everybody always passes around. He has such an extensive history with nursing, working with so many different types of nurses, and he's really a big advocate for nursing. It's one of the reasons why I asked him to come on the show, and I got the impression from him one of the reasons why he wanted to do it was because he wants to change the culture and the sort of discrepancy and roadblocks that we have between doctors and nurses. He's worked with midwives. He's worked with research nurses. He's worked in public health, outpatient. He currently works as a hospitalist. So he really gets to see the different dynamics. And it's so interesting to hear his point of view as an experience attending. Also, he's an extremely creative person, obviously his drawings. But beyond that, he gets into the history of why he started his Instagram account. It actually was because of the board game that he started, and it sort of took off from there. His board game is available at drwars.com, or it's also available on Amazon. You can just search Dr. Wars Game, and it comes up in the search. I'm so appreciative and grateful for Dr. Fulmer for coming on the show and trying to really empower nurses and advance nurses. And he's just such an interesting guy. And we could have talked talked for three or four hours. So I hope he comes back on because we need to dive in to this really fascinating career that he's had. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Here we go. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited for having you here. Um, I wanted to talk to you for a really long time. I, I am obsessed with your cartoons. They're so funny. So thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Happy to do it. So when we started talking about doing this interview, I was really surprised by your background. You have such a extensive background in medicine in general and with nurses. So that was one of the reasons why I, I really wanted to get you on and we needed to interview you. So I guess just give us like an overview first of how you got started in medicine and your background. Well, yeah, it has been a pretty long career. And, and it's been really interesting. I've been really lucky to be in a lot of different situations. So when I was in college, I was pre-med, but I was also really interested in entertainment. I like I was in plays. I did some comedy stuff. I was going to go to medical school, and then I thought maybe I should try entertainment. So after college, I couldn't decide. So I didn't really apply. And I, um, I took a job in Appalachia in, in some place called the Frontier Nursing Service, which is unbelievably the first thing I did when I was out of college. It was basically work with a whole bunch of nurses. 
So I became, you know, a nurse. I, I learned all about the nursing life right from the beginning. And you should Google Frontier Nursing Service. People that are listening, you should Google it. Because it's if you don't know what to do right now and you're in college, it'd be a really cool place to go to volunteer. I, this is a long time ago, so I don't know if they still do that. But I was a volunteer and I worked in the health education department. And this place teaches uh, nurse midwives. They start out in horseback to go up into the app, the mountains. So wow. it's nurse, nurse midwives would go up the outback and do prenatal care and even deliveries up in the mountains because nobody else, you can't get it there any other way. They don't do that anymore. Now they go up there by Jeep. But, you know, it's, it's, they call them hollers. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. But you go up in the hollers and there's the place... And the Appalachians are so obscure and so out of it. The only way you can get there at that point was horseback. And now they go up by Jeep, but it's still out of the way. So it became this bigger and bigger service. It was just first a nurse midwifery service, then it's a, a hospital. Now it's one of the bigger training grounds for nurse midwives and family nurse practitioners and nurses. And it's in Hyden, Kentucky. At the time I was there, Hyden was only 500 population. I don't know how big it is now. I haven't checked, but it's, it was a really cool place. I lived with the nurses. We're basically in a dorm situation. There was a lot, you know, I learned vegetarianism there. At that time, they, called, they didn't call them vegan. They called, called it vegetarianism. I learned how to meditate there. It was a really cool place. Wow. So uh, that was where I started. And then I did that for a year. It started paying me. I, did, I, I actually won a radio, a Kentucky State Hospital Radio Award for radio spots. So I, I was able to learn a lot about nursing, but also that you could do entertainment and medicine at the same time. So I started thinking, well, maybe I could do both. Maybe I can do entertainment and medicine. Uh, so then I got more, more serious about medicine. And I went to the next thing. That's when I moved to New York. And I uh, worked for Mount Sinai as best as research program. So that's where I met a lot of research nurses. So I first met, you know, uh, nurse midwives and family nurse practitioners, learned that. And then they learned research nurses because I was in Mount Sinai. And we went out to interview, we basically did work interviews. So we would go out and do a lot of details, every exquisite detail about somebody's work to find out if they were exposed to asbestos. Because the research program I was, it was an asbestos. This, I worked with a guy who, actually discovered asbestosis. So that was really cool. That's like wow. the guy who actually did all the research to discover asbestosis. I, I, oh I was gosh. able to work with him and work with his team. So I learned about research. I learned about research nursing. And I did that for two years. And I took some courses, you know, finished sort of the pre-med that I hadn't finished in college. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get into med school. And I did med school. and And then... I don't want to keep rambling on here, but, <laughs> but there, there, you know, I've had so many different ways to learn about nursing. It's, it's been, it's fun and, it, you know, really entertaining to me about looking back on my career. But so like in med school, I had a really uh, liberal, uh, I don't want to say liberal, it's got a political meaning, which I don't mean that the person in med school and my residency was interested in doing other types of things outside your usual uh, institutional. So in med school, I went to um, 
they allowed me to do with my family practice rotation in an Eskimo village in Alaska named Kotzebue. So I worked along, I was working in the ER and I was with all these Eskimo nurses. So I learned about Eskimo nursing, <laughs> how they looked at nursing, how that culture is. That was oh really God. exciting. That's pretty cool. Okay, wait. So what's the difference? Because you just mentioned three very different places. You're up in the mountains in Kentucky, you're in Manhattan, and then you're also in Alaska with the Eskimos. So what's what's the biggest difference between those styles, those types of medicine, those types of nurses? Oh, wow. I mean, all nurses are still nurses, no matter where Mm -hmm. you are. It's just the Eskimo nurses were nurses, but they're Eskimos. So they have the Eskimo culture behind them. And there's a different type of nursing. And the nurse midwives that I work with in the Appalachian Mountains were way more holistic and way more, I would say, independent. Mm -hmm. First of all, they're they're nurse practitioners and nurse midwives, so you have to be independent. So I learned from the very beginning that you can be a nurse and be super independent and have doctors sort of go in and out and you do your job. And that's that was the difference, you know, in, in Appalachia mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is it's a little more the independence of the nurses right. and the Eskimos, the Eskimo village, they weren't really independent as much, but it was a different culture. And you had to have the Eskimo nurses be there because Eskimos were coming in and they understood the culture. So there's a lot of people like me that go in there to volunteer. You know, I was there at the Indian health service. And so you have to have people that understand the culture in order to You know, it's like if somebody from Vietnam comes to one of your hospitals and they don't speak English, you don't understand their culture. It's a whole, you have to understand their culture. So the nurses were really important for that kind of thing. And then, I I, I mean, then the other thing I was able to do is got up in a, when I was a resident, my my residency director in in primary care internal medicine was super, I I loved him. He was one of my one of my role models, he loved overseas training. So we arranged for me to go to Australia and I was in Sydney. And I, one of the most exciting things I do is I'd fly with a flying doctor service there. And so I got to go to all these outback places and kind of learn about what nurses do in the outback. And I oh flew gosh. with a different specialties every, every day. I go with a dermatologist one day, then I go with a pulmonologist, you know, and, and then with a nephrologist. And then we would go to see one patient after other, the other. And then the nurses would take over in the afternoon because they basically ran the clinic. So that's another independent thing. And it's also a cultural thing because they're taking care of Aborigines. And, and there's, you know, there's nobody in the outback there. There's maybe, you know, 30 people in the town. You're going there to take care of 30 to 100 people. Right, right. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. You've had such a unique experience. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. Just to go back to the midwives for one second. So what was your role when you're with the midwives? What was your role in that? What would you do? I was hired as a volunteer uh, to work in the health education department. So part of that was understanding what the health issues were in the community of Appalachia and what the FNS health providers did when they went there. So I followed them up to the hollers, you know, private people's houses mm-hmm. and watched what they did. I followed a physical therapist. I followed a, a respiratory therapist to the houses. And, I, and houses is being, is being generous. They're 
places that they lived and I followed nurses. And so like, for example, I went into one, one house, there's a couple health issues that was, was interesting. Well, I went to one house where they literally had a pan and a huge block of lard that big. It's like, you know, if you're not watching, it's like maybe the size of an iPad uh-huh. in, a, in a block. Uh-huh. And it was in a pan. And that was how they created that. They, they melted the lard down and then put the meat in it. Wow. So we're like trying to explain that maybe all that fat's not so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, I went to with a physical therapist and it was a just somebody who really loved the physical therapist. And so I realized how, you know, not just doctors are revered by some of these people. They love the health people, the providers. Did did the providers that were there, did they live in that area? Yes. We all lived in kind of a dorm situation and we all lived together, the doctors and the nurses. So it wasn't, te- it wasn't temporary therapists. lodging that you were at. It was like a permanent for... for th- well, they, for me, it was room and right. board. And it wasn't a very big place. So, you know, I don't know if it's the same way now, but when I was there, the volunteers were room and board. The nurses were paid, you know, just a basic salary. I don't, I don't even know how much mm-hmm. and the doctors, but they all, we all lived in the same area. Okay. And that's not temporary. Yeah. So it's, it's a dorm that's set up for that. I see. Yeah. I was wondering if the nurses, if, if they're, in the same community as their patients, if they know, if it's a small community. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. I would say not really, yeah. no, because it's, they're in training and they're kind of like trying to, they're living, live close to the hospital so they can do what they need to do in the hospital. I see. It's, it's not really a dorm. Like you think of when you think of a dorm in a school, it's more of a house. I see. Yeah. With, with rooms. A lot of rooms. I mean, that's pretty cool. Going up there, so you were a student. You were a med student at the time? No, no, I was, this is pre-med. I had three, I went, after college, I did three years before I went to medical school because I was trying to decide whether to do entertainment or not. Oh, oh, I just didn't, I I went to medical school, you know, because I thought I could do both. It would be easier for, not easier, but it would be better to be in medical school and do entertainment on the side than try to you know, it's hard to be an entertainer and be a doctor or, or some sort of medical person. So I thought it would be, I could probably do both. And that, that helped me understand that you could do both because right. I, I did some entertainment there and I've been able to do entertainment my whole career. So you obviously do Dr. War Games, which everyone loves, and you you draw and you create all of this. What, what else do you do? You're saying entertainer. Well, I, I don't, I don't, you know, over the years, I, I mean, when I was a resident and when I was med school, I would do spoof videos, making fun of what we did. I, we did that every year of my med school and residency, you know, in the days that I, when I was in med school, which was a while ago, it wasn't that easy. We had to do like videotapes and, and, and it wasn't like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't digital, right. but we, I, I worked with, you know, a CBS guy and we made some really, just some funny videos to entertain ourselves i've done that i've done cartoons all my life for but nothing like i'm doing now with, with the uh, instagram that's that's a pretty productive thing where i'm doing it every other day mm-hmm. right 
And then, so you, you, you mentioned you went to Manhattan and you were doing research with asbestos there and you were obviously working with research nurses there too. I mean, is there a difference in working with like a bedside nurse or a research nurse? I mean, do you, Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference. I mean, there's a huge difference and I'm, I'm doing research now. I do a lot of research Mm -hmm. and I work with a lot of research nurses. So the, the really cool thing about research is it's another thing where the nurse can be a little bit more independent. You don't have to deal with a lot of the, you know, I I guess the best way to say it is scut work of a nurse Mm -hmm. and that you do in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Nurses have to do a lot of stuff that, that is kind of, you know, like paperwork, there's a lot of stuff there. And I think I, they have so much on their plate in the hospital. In research, you, you're only focused on the studies you're doing. So you, you know that study, you know the patients want to be there, they get paid to be there for the most mm-hmm. part. So it's a difference in how you interact with patients because they, you know, because the patients want to be there and they, they know what they're into and the nurses only do one, one thing. Right, right. Compared to, you know, you're going, you know, I don't have to tell anybody (laughs) that's listening what a hospital nurse does. Yeah, flying (laughs) all over the place, basically. Exactly. Is there anything that you wish nurses knew more about your role or your job? I mean, you're a hospitalist. You work with just about everybody in the hospital. I mean, you work with every nurse, right? I mean, is there anything you wish that that we knew? I think. You know, I can speak really for the place that I'm in. I really think the nurses and the hospitalists are very collaborative. I think they know what we do. I mean, maybe they don't know the schedule that we were at. You know, they don't know necessarily when I'm on call, when I'm not. We have a big group. I think it's going to vary from one hospital to the next. So where I am, I don't really think that's a factor. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you guys have a good team. We have a great team. I really, you know, I've been there for a long time and I stay there because I really like the hospital's team. I love the nurses. I just think it's a great environment. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me ask you, tell me what the negative for you is working like in the hospital versus working research or public health, for example. Give, give me your pros and cons. Oh, man. <laughs> uh well, I like what I'm doing now. I mean, I like hospital work. For are you talking about me or for nursing? For, for you. For me, for a doctor. Yeah. I mean, like, what do you doctor wise? Yeah, doctor wise. Yeah, because I, because I want the I want to shed light on you know nursing, but I also I think there's a discrepancy on our end too. Like, we don't really know. We just some sometimes it just feels like the doctor, you know, and and it's hard to put attach. We need to start breaking that yeah. down. That's why I like your idea of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. We, I mean, nurses and doctors really have to be more and more collaborative. I mean, it has to be a team. And I, I just, this, this whole thing with the doctors on the pedestal, that's already being somewhat decreased. Mm-hmm. But it has to be viewed by us and by the public as a collaborative team effort and that everybody has their role. There's no role that's better than the other role. And that's not just nurses, it's respiratory therapists and, and, you know, all the ancillary people. And even ancillary may not be a term we should use. You know, that kind of implies that they're they're secondary and they're not. 
every every person has a role in the hospital and and i i love that about hospital work yeah it's just you know it's it, i think we have to just it's it's a very collaborative field at this point yeah definitely yeah i'm so glad you said that because the idea of this was you know doctors and nurses in general but it, it's not just that i mean it's it's it, it's so much more than that like you're saying respiratory therapists i mean they did so much during COVID. And then I had some respiratory therapists writing to me saying, we tried to go get our free Starbucks for frontline workers and they're not recognizing respiratory therapists as, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, uh, when these people are the ones bailing me out, right? <laughs> yeah, that really, that really irritated me when I heard about yeah. that. And I mean, you know, rest, you know, the dietitians, social workers, I mean, it's like you have to have these mm -hmm, people. Definitely. Pharmacists. You know, I'm not trying to leave anybody out, but everybody, yeah. every person in the hospital is important. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it is changing, though. I mean, the culture, it does seem like there's been a shift. I mean, since the beginning of your career, I mean, it, it, it has it changed? Have you seen a movement? I, I have. I've seen it. I've seen it become more collaborative. When I first started, I was a long time ago, uh, you know. It was more of a separation between doctors and nurses. Yeah, it's becoming less, but there's still a separation. Definitely, there's still a you know, there's still a you know, respect. I I, I want everybody to respect, it, not just. I mean, there's still a respect factor for the doctors, and I think maybe a little less so for the nurses. And I don't think that's that's the way we need to go. We need to have, you know, the same amount of respect for all people in the hospital. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned to me before this that you were a leader of, or, or are you currently a leader of your hospitalist group? No, I I was I was a leader of there was we have four hospitals in our in our place in our city. And I was the leader of my hospitalist group in the largest part of the largest hospital. Okay. So the main hospital, the Catchman Hospital, I was the leader of my hospice group for about seven or eight mm -hmm. years. And during that time, I was chief of medicine for about four years. I see. Okay. So I've had a lot of administrative background in addition to being a frontline person. Now I'm just a frontline person. I don't have any administrative responsibilities, except I'm still the medical director of a research program. I see. Okay. So I had a lot of questions about this administrative role that you have, because I feel like the administration as far as where I'm concerned, I mean, I, I'm very removed from what they're doing and the plans that they're making. And so I, I was just curious with some of your experience with that. How do you feel like the bedside doctor and the bedside nurse is viewed by administration? I can only speak for where I mm -hmm. work. And, you know, or I, I have, you know, certainly other other places I've worked, I can reflect on that too. But Right now, I mean, our, our hospital is, I think administration really respects the doctors and nurses, mm -hmm. and they, they, they do support us. But every place who has administration and, and frontline, they have different goals. There's nothing wrong with, I mean, everybody in medicine who, if you're on the front lines, likes to make fun of administration. Since I've been in administration, I understand how difficult it is. I was on the front lines and I was an administrator trying to do both. It's very difficult for an administrator to try to 
help the front lines, look at the bottom line, and try to deal with all these personalities. Very, very difficult. It's much harder than it is being on the front lines. And I'm telling you, the front lines are difficult. We, we know that. We're in the front lines. But when you're trying to manage a lot of people and a lot of different cultures and a lot of different personalities, you're also trying to make things cost efficient. The hospital has outward pressures that the front line really can't, you know, they're so involved in taking care of patients. You don't know what the hospital pressures are, you know, and, and I, I, when I was leader in the group, I always advocated for my group, but sometimes I had to tell them things that I didn't want to tell them, but I had to, you know, that I wasn't against things necessarily. It's just that it, they're different avenues. So they're just different perspectives. And I, I don't want to say anything bad about administration at all, because I think they have a really hard job. And they, they, at least where I work, I know they're doing the best they can for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever, like you're saying, you had to tell your team sometimes things that you didn't necessarily want to tell them. What was the reason for, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too specific with your hospital system, but what was the reasons that the things had to be implemented? Was it like patient safety, for example, or was it more because of like you're saying these outward financial pressures? Well, patient safety at where I work is always top priority. So, I mean, the patient safety and patient care is always top priority mm-hmm. where I work. So, you know, you have, but you have to do things, that, you know, you don't want to do anything that affects that. Right. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you feel valued in that role? Because it's a lot, like you're saying, it's a lot of different people. It's difficult to navigate all of these different people in these different roles. Did you, did you feel valued? By who? Yes, I would say yes. But yeah, yeah I, I would. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether it was my style or whatever. I felt like you know, my style was a collaborative style and a consensus style. Not everybody's like that. There's different types of leaders and different people respond to different types of leaders. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, my group respected me. I felt that the administrators respected me. Maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> that's, I felt respected. But, you know, not everybody likes what I did, but. That's true of any. Of course. Yeah. You can't please everybody. Definitely. That's, that's something that you don't, when, when you're in administration, you can't please everybody. Right. And that is one of the hardest things to being an administrator is you want to please everybody and you can't. It's impossible. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you did outpatient. I'm trying to keep your whole record here it, it, linear. It's difficult because you have such a long history here. I'm, I'm trying to keep everything together. So you, you also did outpatient work. You had your own outpatient um, office. Well, I was, I was in, a, I was in a group, I was in a, in a, a group, group practice. And, and it, so I, I was with, you know, I started the group was around eight or 10 doctors and it grew to 50. And then I moved into hospitalist work. Yeah. I was in there. I did office work, traditional office where you're in the office and then you go see your patients in the hospital. Right. I did that for about eight years, eight years. Wow. Yeah. Did you have nurses in that group? I had one nurse and one medical assistant. Okay. Going from, I had three, three patient rooms and just went one from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've pretty, done, tr- pretty traditional. Yeah. I've done that work before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like on roller like skates. Hosp- <laughs> Yeah, I like hospitals work a lot better. It's just more, there's more people, there's more things 
more, more challenges, more things to do. I like seeing all the specialists. But when you're in the office, you know, it's, I, I love my patients and I, I got to know a lot of them. But it was just me, the patient, the nurse, and the medical assistant. And it was very hard to educate yourself. Right, right. Keep yourself educated. Yeah. You feel sort of like closed off, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little closed. You know, it, it's hard to, even the, the environment is closed. It's a little tiny section you're in and you're just going from one room to the next. Right. Yeah, exactly. So how long have you been drawing for? So how long have you been drawing for? All my life. And when did you turn it into this? Uh, about two years ago. Oh, my gosh. Because you're like the biggest Instagram cartoonist now, at least in my world, at least. No, there, there's <laughs> there's a lot of other cartoonists, okay. you know, from what there's not that many, but there's some excellent cartoonists who are doctors out there. Okay. I follow. I think I follow everybody that I know that's a cartoonist and there's really some really talented cartoonists. I'm not the only one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're just my favorite then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some questions. Some people sent in a few questions about the cartoon specifically. So, okay. First of all, do your colleagues know about your Instagram fame? Some of them do. Not my, not my fame. They know I do cartoons. Okay. They they don't know that you're like in this in this I'm world. not really I wouldn't call myself famous. I just have a I just have a cartoon account and you know, I know a lot of people like to deal with followers. You know, I I I, I like to do that, but my main intent is just to entertain and when I can, you know, educate people and I just do it cuz I it, it's I have fun and I I really it's something I really enjoy drawing cartoons. I really enjoy the community that I'm developing with the followers. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I love the interaction and I think it's, I, I just, I'm really glad I started it. Yeah. Do you, how many hours a day do you spend drawing or on Instagram? Uh, I would, I, I, I try to post a, a cartoon about every other day. Mm -hmm. The worst I've had is waiting know four days but mostly it's every other day sometimes every third and what i try to do you know i have a, my hospital schedule is is such that when i have my time off i try to stockpile the cartoons so that when i'm working and my work is i, don't, I really can't do much when i'm working right so i have it all set up so that i can just post the cartoon with a couple seconds and and then i'm i don't have to draw it on the time i'm working yeah but it takes me it depends on the Sometimes a simple cartoon may take me hours and hours. It isn't just drawing it. Drawing it is not that hard for me. Mm -hmm. What's harder, harder for me is the making it really succinct. That's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. I've had to redo a few cartoons, well, actually multiple cartoons, where I, I put, put the, you know, the, the caption or the little bubble, the comic bubble, and it's just not quite concise or funny enough. Mm -hmm. They got to change that. And then I got a, you know, a couple of cartoons I've just completely scrapped and redrawn. Mm -hmm. But what I try to do is think of an idea in the car on my commute and have it all pictured in my head so that when I go home, I just draw it. And then I try to think of 
the cartoon balloon too, but that doesn't always work as well. I get a lot, I, I get a lot of ideas from people that comment on the cartoons. I get a lot of ideas from direct messages. I get a lot of ideas from working in the hospital with like, and I'm working and like today I was, I was going from one place to the next and the patients were not there. I had already drawn a cartoon about that, but it made me think, hey, maybe I could repost this cartoon and just say, hey, this is my day today. I didn't have time to do it. Right. Maybe I'll do it after our, after our interview. But <laughs> it's like, you know, I think of things at the time I'm rounding or in between. And like, I'll, I, have a, I have a list of things on my phone that I, I write my ideas down so I can refer to them later if I don't have anything to to do and and I some of these series that I've done like right now I'm doing guide especially series. If you post this interview like a month from now, they'll go, "What the hell?" Are they? Yeah, <laughs> that, what are you talking about? Yeah, but you look back and you'll see several cartoons on guide selecting especially. That was just something I think maybe somebody said something and I, I just kind of said, "Hey, this is a cool idea to select especially," and you know, it goes from there. So you, I, on your phone, on the list for your phone, you'll have like, oh, I'm going to do guide to specialty. So you have like a big list going or you have a list I of just, the specialties? I have a, this particular series, I'm going based on just specialties that I know, but also people's requests. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing is if somebody requests it, I'll, I'll write their Instagram profile or address on my list and say, oh, this person requested me to do anesthesiology. And if somebody else requests it, I'll have that. So then I tag them because I, I want them to, you know, see the result, the fruits of their, yeah. of their requests. I really do respond a lot to individual requests. If you request me to do a cartoon, you know, I'm almost going to do it 100% of the time. Yeah. I've rarely not done a cartoon that somebody asked me to do. Okay. Okay. It may not be right away. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, okay. (laughs) So request, you got to do one for us for the podcast then. Oh, absolutely. I'll do one. That would be the thing. The thing about the the actual feed is I just want to make sure it fits in with what I'm doing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have the same problem. I, I don't really even like posting on my regular feed. You know, my, Instagram started, it's a personal account. It it didn't start this way. And then in my stories, I started posting more about nursing and, you know, just different interactions I was having with providers or, and then somebody would write in and say, oh, me too. And then when COVID happened, that's when people actually noticed my account at all. So then it was like, I had this sort of like, what do I do with this now? Because I was just posting a picture of me on a horse three weeks ago. And now (laughs) it's like, I feel like I'm in this world. Like, what do I do? You know? So I thought, well, at least I could talk to people and see what they're doing. And, you know, I mean, well, this is a brilliant, this is a brilliant idea you came up with. I really love it. Thank you so much. I'm really gonna, I'm looking forward to, you know, listening to all your podcasts. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay, so I know the answer, I think, to this one, but hold on. There's one more somebody sent in, uh, one more question. Okay, are you single? (laughs) (laughs) Who's asking? (laughs) No, just kidding. No, I'm I'm married and I have children. I have a wonderful wife. I have a great family. Okay, okay. So the person's out of luck, basically. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have any examples of really positive or even really negative experiences that you've had with nursing? I mean, I've had a lot of positive experiences. I mean, the negative experiences really aren't, I don't even think they're negative. I mean, it's really more learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. Sound like an administrator, but. Give me, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Give me some know, examples. I mean, you know, like, it's like, well, like, here's an example of, you know, when I was an intern, I, I got awakened at 4 a.m. for the nurse to tell me there was a normal potassium. <laughs> really? Right. <laughs> but I mean, that's more, I mean, you know, I don't, and, that, and at the time I was an intern, and, you know, I, I was so overwhelmed. You get irritated. Right. At this point, I, I don't get irritated. I really don't get irritated at nurses. I really feel that, you know, whatever, if they have a question, and we're on, I'm on, I'm on a text, a HIPAA text thing. And I, I know other, other people that work with me don't like to have that, but I, I don't mind having any text from nurses at any time, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like if they're, even if they think it's a stupid question, first of all, it might not be a stupid question. Mm-hmm. And if it is, I'll just answer it. Right. And it's not a big deal. It's much harder where you're an intern and you're completely sweaty and overwhelmed and, you know, you're you're, you're learning yourself. That gradually gets better. You, you know, the more experience you have, I hope this would happen to people is they, you know, have, have a more time or they're just more perspective and, and collaborative relationship with nurses. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting about that is because I I do work at a teaching hospital and I've worked at places that are not. And that that's an interesting, I guess I never thought of it that way because I do see that discrepancy. And, and I always think to myself, you know, the doctors who they've been attendings for 30 years and they come in and they're relatively pleasant and they say hi to me and they're, how are you? And they look me directly in my face. And they're always, I mean, in my experience, really respectful and and really responsive. And I've been that nurse that's called about something that was fine, you know, like you're saying the interns, maybe because they're unsure of their practice still, maybe they feel a little, so they're a little more edgy because I do feel that. And I also, I find that with new nurses as well, a new, a new nurse. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's not just, you know, there's learning nurses that are learning too. Exactly. And then you put those two together and it's like combustible. Exactly. Yeah. And they get like their feelings hurt really easily. And then they try to, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, and it's, I, I think that, that that's true that if you're just new, it is easier to hurt your feelings because you're really not confident yet. Yeah. I didn't really feel comfortable taking care of patients till I was almost done with my second year of training Absolutely. In, you know, in residency. Yeah. I did. I, you know, when you get out of med school, you're just overwhelmed with trying to, pretend like you're a doctor, you know, you are a doctor and you can do things, but you, you're in training. You're still trying to learn. Right. You know, it takes a while before you feel like you're really comfortable. And even after residency, you're starting something new and you're a fellow, you're starting something new after you're a fellow and you're, you're just starting, you know, you finish your cardiology fellowship or whatever, and you start a new practice and you're still you're still new. Absolutely. Just to, to your new career. Right. Yeah. And even something small, like you're on a floor you've never been on. You don't know the codes. You don't know the EMR system. All of that can be very overwhelming too, just in and of itself. Yeah. And I think for new, anybody, you just have to sort of try to understand what they're going through and 
try to give them a little bit of slack. And it's easy to say when you're where I am. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not in training and I've been doing this for a long time. So I feel like, you know, maybe it's easier for me to say than, than it is for somebody that doesn't have that. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. I feel the same way. I, I'll have like a first year nurse and they're exasperated. You know, they come up to me and I can't find the doctor and they're so upset. And I, I and I'm sort of like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what, what's the problem? Like I can help you with it. You know, they get really flustered very quickly. <laughs> don't, don't you think really, we all need to calm down a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. The anxiety, <laughs> you know, everybody's like, so anxious about everything. And the Instagram doesn't help. Yes. Not just Instagram, social media. Social I mean, it's media. just like, there's so, and I think part of it's because it's anonymous. Right. You can be a real jerk because you're anonymous. Exactly. How do you deal with that? Because I'm sure you have people who are rude to you on Instagram, just like anyone else. Best advice I ever heard from from somebody is don't engage. That is how I try to do it. And when I when I've done not done that, it's been a mistake. Right. So I I try not to. If somebody's obviously trying to just annoy and just be a jerk. Just don't answer them. And then I'm, sometimes when you do answer them and they don't even answer you back, they're not even looking at your account. They don't even why, care. Why did you even bother? <laughs> yeah. I spent, if the things that when I've made that mistake, it's way too much time. On. Right. It's like I spent a lot of time like creating this foolproof <laughs> argument. So for what? Somebody I don't even yeah. know. They may be 12 yeah, years old. Yeah. I, it's, it's it stupid. might be a robot. Honestly, there's. They're saying these are bots, a lot of them. (laughs) These anti-COVID people are bots, a lot of them, they said. On my account, I really don't have a lot of that, though, so I don't have to deal with it too much. Yeah. When you do get it, what kinds of things is it usually about? I just haven't had that much of it. I mean, you know, there was probably one one post I did a long time ago was about vaccines (laughs) and sort of some of the anti-vaxxers came out. But I really haven't had that many jerky text coming up occasionally here and there i i think maybe i've been lucky and maybe i i don't know why it's just but i i haven't had to deal with it and i and i'm not going to deal with it if it comes mm-hmm. my way yeah do you have a fear when you draw something do you have it in your mind of things to be careful of or no i just i just post what i what i personally think is either funny or thought provoking in a positive mm-hmm. way or educational those are the three kind of tenets of what I want to do with the comics. It's either most of the time it's just for comic value and entertainment. Right. A lot of it is satire. Some people don't understand the satire. Right. So, you know, when, when I post a satirical comment or a comic, satire is difficult sometimes. Yeah. You know, you, you have to you have to do it really, really well. And some people don't understand satire. Definitely. You know, I, I love satire. Mm-hmm. I love doing satirical stuff. I love comedy and, you know, to try to make, to make people laugh. That's the main goal, but I also like doing educational cartoons when it's appropriate. Like I've done a couple of collaborations, which have been educational, which I really enjoyed. So if it's more of the educational stuff comes my way, I'll do that. That's really good. Yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday. I had the only real time, once in a while, I post questions on my Instagram and it's like quizzes, you know, and heart failure or whatever. And 
I get my questions from the American Association of Critical Care Nurses. I, I'm not coming up with these questions. And <laughs> I'll get people who are, you know, they work at these really prestigious places and they'll message me and like, well, actually that's wrong, you know, or they'll try to pick apart the question. I'm like, don't blame me. You can blame them <laughs> <laughs> for this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's great when you when you put those up. But the only time I really got attacked on social media so far was the COVID people. Like you're saying, like the anti-vax people came for you. I had yeah. I had like the COVID people come at me a little bit and say I was working for NASA or something. I don't know. I couldn't follow yeah, the logic. That, there's there's a lot of that. You just you know I don't know. That, that's probably the worst part about social media. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's better not to get involved with it if you can help it. Definitely. Yeah. So your drawings, actually, the first thing that you did was it was a game, right? That's how it came about. Yeah, that's the reason I started the account because I, you know, people don't even know I did this game. Mm -hmm. I have it in my profile. But, you know, you know how Instagram is. You're looking at the feed. You're not really looking at your profile much. Right. But I, I made a board game, which I really love. I sold it out as a strategy game. It was I, I really like it. And, you know, I, there were some improvements I could make, but I really liked it a lot. But I sold it out, and I wanted to do a, a card game, which is what I'm selling now. Mm -hmm. And I like the card game. It's pretty, it's a simple game. It takes about an hour to play, about 10 minutes to learn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the characters that I drew, I drew all the, all the cards. I have, like, there's patient cards, there's doctor cards, there's a nurse card. <laughs> There's, it's actually called the super nurse and it's, it's the most powerful card in the pack, nice. of course. Nice. Um, <laughs> and there's problem cards and cure cards. So I drew everything on the, in the game and some of the characters that I drew for the game, I carried over. But my the whole point of doing my Instagram in the first place was to try to market the card game. Uh-huh. But it's so, in fact, if you go back to the very beginning and you see what I drew, it's the characters in my cards. And it became rather quickly just about the cartoons because I so enjoyed the cartoon, doing the cartoons. And then people started, you know, following me. And I, I just, I kind of went with what, what people requested and just got out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's really cool. In, so, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. So the link is... But, it, but I'm still selling this game. Yeah. I mean, it's, this game is... It's a it's a really cool game. It's kind of like... Uh, I don't know. It's... You, you try to basically try to... You try to... You get points by curing patients. You have to have the right doctor and the right cure in order to cure your patients. And whoever gets the most points, you get points for curing patients. And there's a bunch of things you can do. Like I have a nod on... Like if you don't have the right doctor, you can trade it with somebody. But if you have a not on call card, like you play the not on call card, mm -hmm. you can't, I'm sorry. Uh, you don't, you can't have my, uh, my doctor thinking the neurologist cause I, he's not on call right now. <laughs> so you can't trade. And then, you know, I have the super nurse card, which is, you know, you can cure anybody without some of the cure cards that you're supposed to have. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and I have a Grim Reaper card that kills the patient. Oh my God. So there's some of these little, <laughs> yeah, those little, you know, cards are thrown in to change the course of the game. This is the and humor of someone who works in a hospital, definitely. Oh yeah, there's a lot of private jokes. Yeah. A lot of like jokes that you, if you work in a hospital, you get, you get what I'm doing. Yeah. 
And I based it on actually kind of what happens. Like, you know, I, I have eight different types of problems. Like there's the cardiac problems, GI problems, different specialties, and mm-hmm. there's a cure for each one. So, you know, you can learn if you don't know anything about medicine, you know, I have liver failure, bypass, yeah. you know, uh, cirrhosis, seizures, AIDS, diarrhea. Wow. You know, those are all problems that I throw in there. And then the cures are just, you have sort of have to match. It's kind of like a matching game. You match the cure to the problem and you have to have the, the like if it's a GI problem, you have to have the, the, the GI doctor to right. do it, right? To, to cure the person. That's pretty cool. So you, you can learn a little bit about medicine without knowing anything about it. Anybody can play it. You're like, yeah. you're, you're 10 years old, you can play this game. Yeah, that sounds like fun. That's so cute. What a good idea. So the link for it is in your profile, right? It's is it drwarsgame.com? It's it's drwars.com. Dr. So Wars. My, my, I have a I have a website just about the game. Mm-hmm. So you can learn you you get a little picture of the game. There's a video that I made on my own without any help, which is it's kind of tells you the rules. Mm-hmm. That's drwars.com. Okay. If you go to my Instagram, the link is in my profile. I always have it up there. DrWars.com is how you link to to get the game. And it's on Amazon. And I Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna yeah. say it's on Amazon too. Yeah, because yeah, I was... if you look up Dr. Wars card game, it'll come up in in in, uh, in Amazon. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. I'm running out of these games though. So you you better get to it. Yeah. How do you even go about doing that? Like, how do you have a game made? Well, I learned a lot. I learned (laughs) a lot. I mean, I had, I, I've been at this for a number of years Uh because of the board game. Board game took me a lot, a number of years. Mm -hmm. So I learned it. I learned just from, from scratch. I first had a napkin then I had a poster and then I, my wife worked at at an art museum. So she knew some professional people. I met a, one of my nutritionists or dietitians at the hospital husband was a professional designer. Wow. So those two people got together and, and I, I made the board into a professional looking board. And then, you know, those people knew other people. And I, like, I got the box from when I, the game, I got the pieces from England. I got the box from Atlanta. Wow. And, and it's like, it's just research on where you get these things. How do we get the pieces? How can I make the pieces? Are they cost effective? All this stuff went into this game. How do I have to trademark the name Doctor Wars? Wow! And it's just like a learning process. It took me years to figure it out because I knew nothing about it. Yeah. I just like woke. I woke up one morning, and the whole board game was in my head. <laughs> like I was, I, I was just becoming a hospital. I just had gone to the hospitals full time. I was just thinking about how moving people around is like a chess, is like a chess game. Mm-hmm. And there's different hierarchies, like the king is the CEO or whatever, you know, yeah. and there's pawns that, that help. And then there's the patients who are like moving around. And so I just kind of thinking this in general, not thinking about a game. But I woke up one morning and the whole game was in my head. It was like I woke up, there was, and said, huh, this is, what is this? What, what I should do something with this. So I, I drew it and, uh, you know, went from there. Wow. That's really cool. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're very creative. I, I don't know if I could do that. I would be like, is there somebody I can just send this idea to and like, they can just make it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I read. That's what I'd rather do. I'd rather just create and have somebody else do the work. Yeah. But you know, nobody's going to do it. Unless, yeah, I, you have to learn a lot. 
Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Wow. I think a lot of nurses and medical people are creative and they, they just need to nourish it. Definitely. Yeah. You may not think you're creative, but you you might you probably are and you just don't know it. Or or you gotta like if you were if you did something in high school, like you were in the band or, or orchestra or you did some art, you can channel that. You can go back to it and do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, we are creative doctors and nurses. I mean, everyone at the hospital, we have to be creative every single day. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with, we're working without resources sometimes or low staff or whatever. I mean, we have to just make it work, you know? Oh, totally. I just think there's a lot of creativity in the health field and people can, can channel it if they want to. Definitely. Yeah. The The coolest thing where I really saw that come out was during COVID because people all of a sudden got really creative and really out of the box. They were making these covers for intubation and the nurses are using the MRI extension tubing for the IVs and just all, and everyone was sharing everything on social media. You know, it, it it's pretty. Yeah. It's like kind of like it's, it's kind of like what it might have been in the old days when people are just like frontier frontier work and it's really that's really a a nice insight there that it's you're going off pro is it we go so much on protocols and cookbooks yep and it's really really exciting to be to doing things just to try to help patients without worrying about the protocols right right yeah you're so right i mean we just were doing everything we could we were we were trying everything and nobody was really even there was no pushback either. Like the, the fellow, the Palm fellow would come in and say, Hey, we're going to do this now. We're going to, like I said before, we're going to put a a non rebreather over a high flow nasal cannula. And the nurses just went, okay. Like (laughs) we never saw that before in our lives, but we're like, all right, whatever is going to (laughs) work. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah. They're just thinking of people dressed up in moon suits. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have <laughs> that type of PPE or do you have? No, I mean, we, we, well, we have PPE, but we don't have the moon suit. I call them moon suits. I, yeah. mean, I referred to that in one of my cartoons, but cause that's what I see in South Korea and all these other places that are dressed up to like they're, they're astronauts. Yeah. We don't have that. We have, we have all the, I think the, the, the PPE you're supposed to have, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you, we don't, you know, I don't know if we're going to have the moon suit thing. But we, we have all we need. I mean, yeah. we're, 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 we're pretty stocked. That's I'm, good. I'm okay with our PPE. Good. Yeah. Hopefully we won't go through that shortage again. I was very lucky. I didn't ever run out. I mean, New York City was rationed, definitely, but I never ran out of PPE. So I got very lucky that way. Yeah. It was It's crazy. gotten better than it was. Definitely. It's just gotten better. I mean, I think we're learning. This is a virus nobody... You know, it's, it's just such a new thing, and we're all trying to find our way with this with this virus and adapt. Yeah. What are your? Do you have any predictions with COVID? What's going to happen? Do you think? Oh, I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. I don't even. Everybody has their own prediction. I just. I think it's going to take a while. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I think. I think it's a long game now. Yeah, I, I think it's a long game. I. I don't. I think it's. Maybe I don't know a couple of years before we get back to normal, but I hope I hope not. Nobody really wants to do this right. for very long. We're just just kind of take it day by day. I mean, what else can you do, really? 
Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I, I was really looking forward to speaking to you and you're such a joy to have and everyone enjoys your artwork and your creativity. And please, let's do this again. I would love to talk to you oh, again. Oh yeah, I'd love to do it again. Mia, and, uh, we could we could do like an, like I was saying before, we could do an hour on every one of these. I mean, you're in so many different places and you're working with nurses. I mean, anytime you want to come back, we can dive into this more. <laughs> I'd love to do it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for everything. Thanks, Abby. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, any topics you'd like to submit, please send them to rnmdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send them to our Instagram account, which is rnmdpodcast, or my personal Instagram account is the nocturnal nurse. Um, If you like the show, please like, please subscribe. We need the love right now. We're just getting started. Um, bear with us while we figure out the audio and the uh, editing. It's a work in progress. Dan and I are both working full time while we're trying to navigate this new project that we're working on. So also, if you have any suggestions um, of how we can make this better, this is for you guys. Sometimes we do interviews. Sometimes we do medical topics. Sometimes we do, um, you know, myth busters kind of things um like we did in the uti episode let us know what works for you like subscribe and uh, we'll see you again next week bye bye